Hey, it's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast. We're talking about surviving the music business, the music industry. I don't know if surviving is the right word. Maybe coping, having coping mechanisms for that. But I guess at the end of the day, if this is what you do for a living, if music is how you uh, generate an income and survive, maybe it is surviving um, the music industry, the music business in its most basic form. Um very quickly before we get to that and very sort of related i would say um because basically the way i'm going to look at things are through the eyes of being a small business that's essentially what i do as a musician these days and i'm going to talk about how it changed and a couple of little things that came up along the way that have actually only been pointed out to me very recently um and sort of highlighted as to anyway we're going to get to it all um I'm sitting here in front of a massive stack of books, um, huge uh, influx of inventory. That's something I'm dealing with uh, lately for the very first time when it comes to books. We can talk a little bit about that as well, the actual logistics of how to get these things in and then out of the door to you good folks of the base world all around the world. Um, but for our holiday season here, we are uh, Monday, December 18th. This is going out. Um, we're having a, a little uh, last minute end of the year, end of 2023 holiday season sale at the store. All of the digital books, all of the ebooks are on sale. You can get 30% off right now, automatically added at checkout. You don't need a discount code or anything. So that's all the ebooks, all the bundles. They are all on a 30% sale. All of the courses, all of the base courses that I've been adding to the Tianaguzdala.com, having done this huge shift with all the base studio stuff, all of those courses are 25% off. That's the learning by ear. That's the transcription vault. That's the live archive. That's all of those base courses. They're all linked in the description of the video or the show notes, or you can just go to Yannickguzdala.com and check it all out for yourself. There's uh, there's a ton of stuff going on there, and it's all very, very obvious. Banner across the top of the website telling you what's going on, and all of the discounts are added automatically at checkout. And the physical books continue to fly out of here. I'm continuing to sign them and mail them up and put them in padded mailers and send them all over the world. So that's still happening. And as you can see, we've actually got some stock now. So many of these were sold out for so long. Pentatonics, our most popular book, that was sold out. Giant Steps was never in stock in the first place. That's now back. We've got sight reading first time. We've got more chordal harmony. We've got some 10-minute manuals. We've got altered. We've got two five ones, looping, uh, warm-up, chordal harmony two, better stuff, good stuff, even a few practice to performance. Iconic Lines is sold out right now. That's not coming back into stock until just after Christmas. But let's get into it. Let's get into the surviving the music industry. What I'm describing right now, the sales and the products and these things I'm talking about uh, working on and, and creating to get out there into the world are where I find myself surviving in the mu music industry in 2023. Uh, obviously, that started very differently for me. And it all started from a live music standpoint. I guess recorded music as well because I wanted to be a studio musician. And in the early days, I was fortunate enough to do a bunch of that and sort of cut my teeth in the studio, both in the UK before I left and then in New York, uh, where I spent a large portion of my, um, I spent a decade, some of my most, um, most growing years as a musician. And uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in the studio, but primarily to say it came from a standpoint of playing the bass. That's how I survived the music industry. That's how I always intended to survive the music industry and to thrive in it and to, you know, hopefully add to 
uh, you know, con- contribute to society and add to the music scene and and create a scene and create music and do all those things. It has since changed. That that hasn't completely gone away. Um, I'm amazing to be like filming this and recording this today because I'm actually getting on a plane uh, a few hours after this goes out, flying to New York for uh, for a quick one day record date. Going to cut a new album with. Um, with Manuel Valera and uh, who I play a lot with, actually with a bunch of different people, but mostly with Steve Smith in Vital Information and a drummer I've never played with before. Super excited to play with Mark Whitfield Jr. So we're cutting a trio record, old school, one day, trio, live in the room, no bullshit, probably no overdubs, no fixes, no repairs, no more than two takes on anything. You have really had to practice the music. So that is just a testament to the fact that while I might be sitting here amongst physical books that I've written over the years and talking about discounts and sales and that part of my business, I am very fortunate to still have that other side cranking away and the phone still rings or the text still pings and uh, I get those those calls to go play music all over the world. This one happens to be in a recording studio, happens to be in New York, and it's a really quick one. It's a red eye out tonight. It's an all-day recording session. I land in the morning, I think around 9. Uh, it's an all-day recording session. Probably wrap it up around 6 or 7. Go to the hotel for a few hours and take the 6 a.m. flight back so I can uh, pick up my daughter from daycare. It's one of those super out, fast out and back jobbies. Um, and uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about briefly was something that was brought up recently. If you haven't seen it, go check out the SBL um, interview that I did. Uh, that I did it back in September, but it came out a couple of weeks ago on the main main SBL channel. And it's over. It's I think it's two and a quarter hours long. So it's uh, you know, get a cup of coffee or uh, you know, get cozy because it's not a short one. But one of the things we talked about, one of the things Scott asked me about was my first album was Mystery to Me that um, is coming up for its 20th anniversary in 2024, um, which is which is kind of crazy to me that it's been that long and I've, I've managed to keep making records um, through that whole time. Um, and he, you know, was, we got into the, you know, into the, into the weeds on it. We got into the nitty gritty talking about, yeah, so how did you do it? And you've young, I was young at that point. I was 25. Um, and it was my, you know, I've talked about it before. It wasn't the first record I'd made, but it was the first sort of major production. And it was definitely the first production that I knew I was going to release. Um, once I'd got to that level and got those that level of musician and, and that level of studio and engineer and production and artwork and all that stuff, there was... I was pretty much set that I was going to release it no matter what, even though I'd made four or five failed attempts beforehand. Um, I still reserved the right to be like, okay, maybe I won't put it out if it's horrible, but I had gotten to a place finally where I was like, I think I can do this, and it's coming out. So we did this record. Scott asked me a bunch of questions about it, and we started getting into the weeds about, yeah, okay, so how much did it cost? You know, let's talk about you know, the, the beans here. Like how, how much did I spend on it? And it was around ten thousand dollars in total and scott was kind of pressing me for like where did that money come from did i throw it all on credit cards i was like there's no way at 25 i even had access to a ten thousand dollar line of credit so while some it some parts of it were of course went on a credit card and i had maybe a little bit of cash floating around from a recent gig i borrowed some money from my mom and i you know I, i pieced it together um and what I said, just sort of a throwaway thing in the interview, or, and I've talked about this a, a bit before on my own channel, was like, yeah, and, you know, I never recouped that money. That money was just gone. 
And I sort of maybe said it in the tone of voice that was like, ah, not a waste of money because I loved that record and I, I loved what we, we got, we achieved and, and the experience that that gave me. But there was definitely a sense, I think, in my voice when I answered the question of like, yeah, well, you know, not seeing that money ever again, you know, like that's gone. And Scott made a good point of he's like, well, yes and no. Like maybe actually that was like, maybe like i'm just going to reach for a random book here on my pile okay bass player's guide to altered chords and scales uh maybe that books that maybe that album rather and that investment of ten thousand dollars has something to do with the success or not maybe but with the success of a book like this and the fact that people know who i am the fact that people trust me to deliver information about music especially in an educational sense in these books for instance and through some of my videos online and he made the point of like, well, actually that $10,000 was probably a great investment and you've made it back way more times than perhaps you realized because it fed into so many things you did that came after. It gave me some sort of uh, validity in the scene, some sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, like some sort of status maybe or standing, I don't know. It, it put me on the map a little bit. Maybe I was in the corner of like, I don't know, like uh, Eritrea or something on a little sandy, you know, I wasn't like in the center of Paris or London on a map. Like I wasn't like on the map. I wasn't in the center of New York. I was on a map somewhere. But it, in, in instead of being completely obscure and unknown, it did help somewhat to to start to establish myself as, as a musician, both as a, a, just as a musician and also as a band leader, which to Scott's point, sort of, has probably paid off many times over in the future. So all of that to say, it sort of doesn't matter what you're doing or how much it's costing or what you might think of something at the time. There's probably a much bigger picture that isn't apparent and that, you, that isn't even in focus at the time. There's probably a much bigger picture coming along somewhere in the future where you can look back and say, oh, I see that that did something good for me, even if you don't think so at the time. So I'm always a big fan of encouraging people to to go and do stuff, just to say yes to stuff. There's like I wouldn't know Tosin Abassi, for instance, or or um, of course Morgan Agron if I hadn't just said yes on a whim when Morgan contacted me, like completely out of the blue. This is over. It's maybe a. 11 or 12 years ago i think this happened he just came to la he was making a bit of a documentary or something there was a film crew following him around and he decided to call some some musicians that he liked he's an incredible swedish uh drummer just an incredible drummer who happens to be from sweden who i've since become friends with and have we we made a record together uh, aside from the project that i played on for him but just saying yes to that one thing there was no money involved it was just uh basically on faith and i didn't know who he was um he knew who i was but we had never met so we'd never played together i i wasn't aware of animals as leaders at the time this is like 2011 2012 i definitely wasn't listening to that kind of music at that time um there was another incredible musician called daedalus um who was like an electronic musician who was doing live sampling and it it just ended up becoming this thing 
that was way bigger and ended up creating relationships. Like I've now known Tosin for over a decade. I've known, uh, of course, Morgan. I, I didn't stay in touch with Daedalus that much, although I think I seem to remember we've lit, like either texted or Instagram messaged back and forth a couple of times over the years when I was on social media. Um, I, I believe part of that project did get released, uh, a trio portion of it with me and Morgan and Daedalus. And um, there's also an album sitting in the can of me and Tosin Abassi and Morgan Agron as well that I don't ever think I don't ever I think it ever saw the light of day. I don't think that ever came out. But what an amazing experience! A couple two three days in the studio with all those guys hanging out. Um, met Javier Reyes, uh, obviously the other one of the other members of Animals at the time. There still is rather. So just saying yes to that had a had a real sort of knock-on effect of of knowing some great musicians for a really long time and something even i at the time I'm, i've always tried to be open-minded and, and say yes to things and you of course have to pick your moments when there's no money involved you know you're rolling the dice a little bit and you, sometimes there's no money involved and it's like people that are just that you know maybe you haven't met before but you know are just like undeniably you want to be in the same room as that person this was one of those things where i didn't know tosin and i didn't know morgan i didn't know Dayla, so i didn't have that like oh these are just my heroes so i'll do it no matter what it was really just okay let's roll the dice let's take a bunch of gear to the studio and let's uh let's see what happens and what happened was fantastic music amazing people uh insane experience and something that has stayed with me you know, regardless of what I might do with Morgan or Tosin or Dale, any of those other people, regardless of how we might work together at some point, what stayed with me was the musical experience. And that all adds to the the bigger picture that I'm talking about in terms of surviving the music industry. So it's not always about money, even though that is a really necessary component, of course, when you have to survive. Um, it's sometimes about saying yes to the things that don't pay anything at all um, and just having some faith that they will potentially pay off far bigger than you could ever imagine down the line. And, you know, s- suppose it hadn't. Suppose, like, <laughs> this is so weird to say because these are obviously incredible musicians, but let's just say that I'd said yes to this thing I didn't know about and Tosin and Morgan happened to be like, yeah, whatever, whatever terrible music some people i didn't wasn't really into and what did i lose i would have lost two days of my life and never had to think about it again uh, so i know two days sometimes feels like oh man that's a lot of time to commit for no return but it's really it's it's quite the time thing seems quite insignificant compared to the payoff when you look back on it and you can always say like i like i just did man it wouldn't have been that bad if it sucked because i'd have just moved right on to the next thing um I think it's harder when you have some experiences that suck and you have some maybe multiple experiences like that. It's harder to pull the trigger again in the in the future because you may be a little more jaded. Um, but yeah, so many things. And it's crazy because there are some things that I've said yes to that are completely unknown that now I'm thinking about. And it's because, and even those things, the things that sort of sucked, I met other people through them that paid off a thousand times more. And I'm still like very good friends with those people and work with them from time to time. And we talk about those moments and like, how the hell did we end up on this bullshit together? But man, I'm glad we did because we met and and great. We've had so many years together uh, that have been super positive. So even on the ones that suck, there could be someone around that you're just like, oh man, really good that I met that person, you know? Um, I got to say, like, let's look at my relationship with Bob Reynolds, for instance, who I've been playing music with now for over 25 years because we met in the middle of uh, 
1998 and started playing together almost immediately. I mean, of course, we were sort of destined to meet at some point at Berkeley because the cats on that level, there wasn't, you know, although there were like 3,000 students there, I think, at the time, there weren't that many on that level who could really play. So it was a small pool of people. I was in a scholarship ensemble. Um, so it was like we were sort of destined to cross paths at some point. But the way we did and the first time we played together was also just on a whim. It was like, hey, do you want to come and do this thing which has nothing to do with the school, no extra credit? Um, you know, I didn't have to pay for it or anything. It was just like a little, little sort of jam session thing, which I could easily have said, ah, you know, I think I'm going to go and get lunch instead. It was like at a lunch hour or something. And I could easily have said, man, I, I got to eat. And uh, I didn't. And I went there and it was me and Hal Crook and Bob Reynolds just playing trio for an hour. And um, there it is. Here we are over 25 years later, still doing it. Major, major important relationship in my life, both musical and personal, of course, at this point. And uh, yeah, I think those those I, I i'm glad i have those moments i glad I, i'm glad i have moments on both sides some things that sort of sucked and some things that were amazing and that i can look back on it and be like oh all of these sort of paid off no matter how they started and some you knew from the beginning they were going to start like with bob and we were just going to be friends forever and some of you were like oh, shit, man, i don't know what's going on here but let's see um and let's i mean let's also not forget the money side of things let's also not forget the reality of how you then how i then navigated and how one has to navigate the next years you know it's not all uh it's not all rainbows and roses that's for sure and unfortunately like i have to be so brutally honest and upfront with anyone listening unfortunately all i can do is tell you about my experience which in so many of my formative years is from a very different time now and of course it's from a different time because it was two decades ago or something but i'm talking about business wise it's such a different landscape and i'm not about to say oh it was so much better then or it was just different and it has changed and a lot of people have adapted and those who haven't are struggling or have just disappeared and you may or may not be a fan of what the scene is now or what is out there I'm a fan of some of it. I'm a f- not a fan of, of of some of it. Also, you know, I um, I don't sit here at home just being grumpy that it's not the way it was 20 years ago, or it's not the way it was when I was even younger and aspiring to be in it, um, because life moves on. You know, the the greatest of all time are the greatest of all time for a little while, and then somebody else comes along and, and replaces them. And I, I think that's that, that feels like it's true for the business side of things as well you know if 25 years ago you told me oh by the way like a major part of your income is going to be through selling books i'd have been like you're out of your mind the berkeley bookstore sells books i don't fucking sell books ah quick pause for the cause here rehydration very important (coughs) so yeah that was i could i could never have uh sort of foreseen that you know maybe i could have thought oh maybe i'll do an instructional vhs at some point or dvd or whatever it would have been the media and maybe there'll be a book in it and i'll do a book for chuck sure or alfred or hudson music or something never did i think i would write i mean how many books were one two three four five six seven eight nine ten fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen i've got three out of stock there's 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 i've written twenty 21 books <clears throat> that's insane 
you know, if you look at the generation above me, you know, the people I aspired to be like the Victor Wootens, the John Patatucci's, the Marcus Millers, Stanley Clarks, like that generation of people who are sort of 60 to late 70s, like that kind of age group. I, I don't know how many, I know John's written a bunch of books, but I know it's not 21. You know, that's, that's totally insane. And I'm by no means saying I'm in any way better. I'm just, I want to highlight how different it is generationally. And perhaps the book thing is even something that's out of date for a younger person now. And it will be something else by the time, if you are 20 years old listening to this, by the time you're 45, it'll be something completely different. Um, it's just served me really well to move with to move with what's going on in my own way. And I, I, I haven't moved in a sense of TikTok and Instagram and all those things. And I haven't moved in the sense of, <laughs> well, in the sense of covers, inverted commas, covers, which is ironic because I'm playing like other people's music lately on my YouTube channel. We'll talk about that in a second because that's, that's been very interesting. But they're not fucking covers. Just remember that we're going we're gonna to rant about that in a second. Um, but that is a big thing, right? That's there's a massive section cross section of the internet, of YouTube especially, of just content creators who sort of go around in that circle. They create content, companies sponsor them. There's not really so much like practical experience happening in that cycle. But the cycle is being kept alive because companies want to sell gear and uh, musicians want to be musicians, and that's just one lane to be able to do that to charge for reviews or to you know to make content that's sponsored by companies um that's a whole other lane we should do like several actually several episodes of the podcast on that and also interview some people as well and get some different takes and uh it'd be nice to have a, a longer discussion about that whole thing but that is a lane and as much as i say i have tried to adapt and i of course have adapted um I haven't done it to the extent that somebody 10 or 20 years younger than me is doing right now. So in that sense, that change is happening all the time. I've just at some point, I just at some point got to the certain place where oh, this is my capacity. This my threshold has been met and I'm not willing to do the new thing as much as the next person because that's not that's not me being honest. That would just be me trying to like what they call it, trend jacking or something. It'd just me be me trying to hop on the bandwagon. So really delicate balance of trying to stay honest and true to yourself plus progressing and not being here like the grumpy old man like get off my lawn refusing to admit that electricity has been invented i'd hate to end my life as one of those people you know it'd be nice to be somewhat relevant at the end but i have a passion for something that's becoming less and less relevant which is writing and recording music um it sounds like a weird statement to me because, of course, plenty of people make records um, and, and music gets listened to. But the art of it, I feel like, is is on the downtrend right now. I'm really hoping it comes back. I'm hoping there's a big shift back towards writing and recording and sort of artist-driven um, art, you know. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm going to be here doing it. I love doing it. Um, a quick side note here. I... I was fortunate enough to get some uh, multi-tracks, some board mixes from the Pizza Express when we played there uh, about a month ago. Uh, I was also at Peggy Skylight in Nottingham uh, hooked me up with some multi-tracks. Those ones I haven't listened to yet, but the ones at the Pizza Express I just listened to two nights ago. The sound was exceptional, like live album exceptional. I posted a clip on my channel yesterday. You can check that out on the main channel. And 
it's a little shady because that was the first song of the first night of the tour with no rehearsal it was a little sketchy sharing that because we just we weren't dialed in at all um musically we can function on a very high level as an ensemble and and as improvisers but when it came to the to the accuracy shall we say of the notes of the compositions we were sort of and myself included i'm not like throwing the guys under the bus and i think maybe cliff knew it better than all three of us which is kind of crazy but there were moments for for all of us i think on the gig where we were slightly uncertain oh is this a four bar phrase or a six bar phrase like little details that you don't really get locked in until you've either rehearsed a lot or you've played a lot of nights on the road um and unfortunately the first well unfortunately the first night was when we had the four camera shoot going on so i have amazing video footage of a night that was sort of less than optimal in terms of the accuracy of the performance even though there were great moments and i'm going to post more clips rather than entire songs from that night the second night we felt super relaxed didn't have to sound check cliff and i had been in the studio all day so we were loose and we'd played and we'd even played some of the tunes uh, you know from from the show so yeah it was a totally different um experience the second night and way more accurate and i think just a better show so i'm really considering putting together 40 to 43 minutes of music some songs from that and putting out a live record i think that would be a really fun way to start 2024 before we get into new music and new recording and new tours and all that kind of stuff um so yeah just a little aside there to let you know that's sort of percolating in the background and i finally you know it's just been an insane month since i got back from that I just didn't have time and finally getting to all of that and uh, very happy you know board mixes are always a bit of a lottery and marcos the the house engineer over there's great brazilian cat did just an outstanding job live we felt amazing sound was beautiful in the club monitors front of house was amazing and he just captured the stuff and put up really nice mics and really did a great job miking the band and, and just captured this thing in a multi-track session that i was really blown away by so can't wait to share some of that with you um, hopefully early 2024 we'll have an entire live album of the music from from the new record from Nightwatch and um, happy to say we played a couple of things on the gig that I wasn't that, that I had never played before live I played um, uh, how am I gonna forget the? <laughs> oh my god how am I gonna forget the name of my own tune I'm gonna open Spotify and look it up Oh my god. It was the most popular tune on the Union. And all I've got is the original working title in my head. What a knucklehead. How can I not remember that? Anyway, we played that one. <laughs> it's like the tune people have covered the most of mine on uh on YouTube. I guess I gotta look it up on my um on my phone because spotify is not open on the computer let's see here how it's just amazing to me that even like i'm i'm thinking like oh i'll just remember it even before i get to the light years oh my god thank you jesus it's probably like the most played tune i have on spotify anyway we we had never played i'd never played that live before and we did it with the trio and it was really fun it worked well as a trio with tom with the left hand comping some bass and some synth stuff really worked well and i was kind of happy with the way the second night the performance was so hopefully that will make it on the live record as well 
I know that was a popular tune out there. You guys and girls uh, responded well to that one. Um, yeah, so that's just a little aside. That's yet another, I guess, another lane, another, another tentacle um, of of the business, you know. And it's one, you know, I'll put out. Well, I just did. I just put out Nightwatch, of course. It came out in October. And it was a big project. We flew to Argentina. If you've been following along, you already know the story. If you're new to the podcast, it was a you know big recording project. My new trio with Tom Corley and Cliff Armand. We flew down to Argentina. We recorded for four days straight with Juan Pablo Alcarro. We played a, sh- a concert down there to try and warm up the music. And um, for me, it was incredibly successful, emotionally successful, uh, musically successful, um, Financially, I did the pre-sale like I'd done before uh, on One Way Out last year in 2022, and we the, the album it broke even. Um, but it's another another thing. I have to go back to the SBL interview and think about what Scott said. It's a, yet another thing of like yeah, it broke even. It didn't make me any money, and it might never make me any money directly, but it's uh, a massive investment in the overall picture of what it is I, I hate using the word brand because that feels really corporate but whatever word you want to use for yourself for your business for your music for your art we, we have to pick a word we could use brand we could use image whatever whatever you want to call it doing things like that are really are a very important part at least they have been for me so far a really important part of my sort of public facing forward facing image and those kind of projects really help awareness, spreading the word. They bring in new fans, new audience members, potential buyers of the books. You know, people are like, oh, man, never heard of this cat before. And uh, let's check out what he's doing, like the music maybe. And, oh, shit, he's got some books. Oh, man, I always wanted to learn about, I always wanted to learn how to sight read, for instance. Well, shit, I wrote a book about sight reading, Bass Player's Guide to Sight Reading. So those kind of things are really worth thinking about, even if you know or even if you're worried, for instance, there you go. There's a there's a thing we all suffer from at some point in music, I'm guessing. I know I have over the years a lot, is worry, anxiety. You know, you worry about, oh man, is this is this gonna pay off? Is this gonna be worth it? Should I do this? The answer is almost always yes. You know, a lot of things have gotta go badly wrong for it to be a completely for it to be a loss, you know even if you lose money on it, or even if it doesn't do what you hoped it would do right away. I'm pretty sure that in, you know, if the internet stays in existence and if things like Spotify stay there as an archive of art, essentially, or if there's some way I can leave a visible location for for my music and for what I've made out there, I'm pretty sure that in two, three, four hundred years, um, not saying this will be on the level of, of the person I'm about to reference, but it will be the, a similar kind of thing of like, we can look back several hundred years and look at Mozart and Beethoven and Brahms and Tchaikovsky and Shostakovich, and we can look back 50 years, uh, 60, 70 years, look at Miles Davis and John Coltrane who are no longer with us and all those, all those, you know, it doesn't matter who you love, you can look back at animals as leaders, you can look back at Dream Theater, you can look back at Bob Dylan, whoever it is, you'll be able to look back and and... I and you, if you're listening and you record music or anyone out there who is passionate about this, will be able to leave something behind that will 
do something for someone. Like that's the hope, you know, is that it does something for someone. I've had some, I mean, over the years I've had thousands, many thousands of messages and I'm just thinking of, of a few recently which are very, uh, really powerful. Like I'm, I'm talking about people who were considering taking their own lives and have written me messages about, oh, and then I listened to this song or I've started listening to music, something. And in some way that made some sort of connection to be like, oh, there's a, there's a reason to stick around. You know, there's a reason to be here, you know, and some people's reason to be around is to appreciate some people's reason to be around is to create like we all have our different purpose sometimes it takes us a really long time to figure out what that purpose is or what we love or which direction we might want to go in um but i think the process of rec writing and recording and putting things out there into the world um i don't think i know that it helps and it's, it's the question of like I don't care if it helps a million people or if it helps one person or if it impacts one, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Like the, I'm not doing this for fame or for notoriety. It's doing it because I love doing it so much. And I know that it, that it also has the, but there's a byproduct of it having an impact on certain people's lives that make it an absolute no brainer to say yes, most of the time to doing things. So yeah, worth, worth thinking about. I think about this a lot. This is on my mind uh, very often, you know, especially, you know, I take this very seriously, you know, I have fun doing it and it's a big, big laugh and I get to spend time with my friends and, and, and do all this cool stuff. But I'm also very fucking serious about the way I do it. Um, that's just for me. I'm not saying you should be or you have to be. I'm just letting you know that's that's how I approach it. And um and speaking to that thing of like finding new fans and getting messages from people, that has sort of uh, definitely jumped in frequency lately um, because of all of these songs of other people's that I'm choosing to play on my on my channel. I have this um, series in case you uh, are not aware. It's called "Could I Play Bass with?" And I'm not sure. So I'm going to look here, go to the channel, and see. Uh, into playlists and see how many I've put up. I've sort of lost count. It's not that many, but I have definitely, uh, I don't know how many are up there, but there are a bunch. Playlists. Could I play bass with? Oh, there are eight up there right now. So I've done them with, let's see. I did one with Noah, uh, with Journey, with Isaac Delgado, with Pliny, with John Mayer, with Noah, with Animals as Leaders, with Dirty Loops. And the latest one I put up is with a band called Intervals. Um, Aaron Marshall, I believe, is the guitar player, band leader, or band name owner. I checked them out. I think that he's like the only actual, like, he owns the band. And there are sort of side men, like freelance musicians who play on tour. Um, I don't know any of them personally. I know of uh, Jacob Umansky, uh, who plays bass. I know he played bass on the song. It's called Five uh, HTP. Uh, was the song that I chose to chose to play of theirs. And it's been a really interesting exercise for me. Again, so I, I, I ranted a little bit earlier that these are not covers, and they're not. I'm not like rearranging the song and and re-recording it all and 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 like totally transforming it um like to me that's a cover like when you actually go and 
play the whole thing like as a with a band like like redo it you know in in a sense i'm redoing it because I'm, this is not a transcription project really important to make the the differentiation here is that i'm by no means going and transcribing the exact bass part and then just playing it back um what i'm doing is using this uh, ai thing called uh lalal l-a-l-a-l dot ai uh, there's another one called moises that i know is very popular lalal did sponsor my channel once for an ad that i put up there and uh i'm actually using their product they're not sponsoring the the videos or anything we have no partnership since that once uh that one um one ad they bought on my channel but i'm actually using their product and i extract the bass so you're able to take the bass out i had some messages like oh because i because i talk about transcription and don't slow things down and do everything in real time and all that stuff some people were saying like well what the fuck are you using lala for man like the john mayer tune is only four chords or something i added some like oh okay yeah i'm not using lala to learn the part i'm using it to take the part out take in that case of the john mayer tune take sean hurley's part out so i can play my own part as i would have in the studio had i been the bass player on the session and that's the exercise it's just it's an exercise at the end of the day that's how i've always done it i've haven't always of course had access to this ai thing where i could extract the bass i've just jammed along to records um my whole life and that was a side of my practice routine a side of my process that i really wanted to share with people and the response has been amazing. People are, are, are finding out about me and about my playing because they were fans of some of the music I was playing and playing along to, especially the Animals as Leaders things. That 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 bought that one tune, the Woven Web, I think bought like I don't know a hundred new subscribers in, in a day or something, which is a lot of that's a that's a high number for me uh, right out the gate just for one little four minute video. My channel doesn't do those kind of numbers. Um, it is another element. The YouTube channel is another element of su of surviving the music industry, the music business. Um, it's the only place, aside from my mailing list, my newsletter, my blog at Substack, which is something I've always had, um, and of course this podcast. Uh, YouTube is sort of the, as close as I get to social media and to having like an open conversation with the with the community, with the with my audience. So it's a massive part of letting people know what's going on i think the podcast probably does the the best job of that because it it i talk obviously for longer and, and in more depth about things and let you know about tour dates and projects and books and sales and all that all that kind of stuff uh through the podcast um but yeah the the response to these things has been shockingly uh really positive i had no idea what was going to happen it's yet another thing maybe the biggest part of surviving the music business to me is like throwing as many things at the wall as possible and seeing what sticks you know and having the conviction to just keep coming up with stuff or having the willpower rather to keep working on stuff i think that's maybe if i have a somebody asked me in an interview not that long ago like hey if what is your superpower you know it's like a pretty standard uh interview question sometimes and uh if i were to have a superpower if i would consider if, if i would call something that i do a superpower it would be it's not superpower at all of course but if if i did it would be that i have the willpower to keep doing it and that comes from obviously because i love doing it there's no way around that um and when you 
really love the work. Like, I really, really love the work. It's the difference between, like, somebody who can really play and then somebody who's, like, you know, US Open golf champion or the Masters champion, like, eight times or something. It's, like, I think someone like Tiger Woods really likes to do the work, you know? He's a total nerd and he loves it. Roger Federer loves the practice. Rafael Nadal loves the practice. That's why they're multiple Grand Slam winners and, you know, Roger won Wimbledon a thousand times or whatever it was, you know. It's like, and then you've got some people who are amazing players that never really do anything with what they have. And it's because they're like, oh, yeah, I really dig the practice. You know, I don't jump out of bed and think, whoa, I'm out of here. Let me get to a tennis court. Let me get to a golf course or a driving range let me get to the practice room and pick up the base and i am like that's the so maybe that's my superpower is that i fucking love doing the work and i can do endless amounts of work without any goal without any um not purpose because there is purpose in doing the work i know that everything i work on leads to something better um even if it's it just in myself with growth and becoming a better musician. But if there's no, I, I can do untold quantities of work even without a specific goal. And that is something I've been conscious of for a long time and something I've uh, tried to lean into more and more and more and sort of like, oh, I'm not around for that long. I don't have that much long left in, in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, when you think about dinosaurs and how long shit has been around i really have like a few seconds left so i'm i'm gonna i have been leaning into that you know for want of a better phrase superpower way more and especially now it's like the need for it is amplified and the lack of time is magnified like i have to like get from zero to a hundred in a very short space of time in terms of my productivity because maybe i only have 20 minutes or there's only like an, on the weekend is a 90 minute window in the middle of the day where my daughter naps and if i don't have anything else which i normally do if i don't have anything else to do and i can get to practice i have to get into the mood very very quickly you know there's very little foreplay here <laughs> when it comes to practice like bam here's your time let's start making the most of it and making it happen so although as we as i talk here about surviving the music business although i may not be talking about like well do this and you will make these number of dollars it's not that kind of discussion it's more about how you find faith in the fact that the number of dollars will come at some point and i think underneath it all you have to be super committed to the work and committed to yourself and understand your limitations when it comes to how much how many responsibilities you can take on outside of your music if music is what you do full-time that's something i've had to learn in a big way being married and having a child and the house and the dog and the cat and all like all of these other things that go on besides the bass and besides music um got to be aware of those and, and work just as hard to balance them all and you're gonna fuck up at some point you're gonna get it wrong i do uh on a on a too regular basis unfortunately i fall behind or i get in a rut or you know i get into trouble time wise or something you know this it's a constant adjustment that i have to make 
but it's probably you know those few non-financial focused elements of life in music are probably the few things that are the most important elements of your success or potential failure um so yeah i think that's maybe a good place to leave it because that's a lot to think about it's a lot for me to think about like i'd ideally i'd be sitting here thinking about this stuff and then i'd take a pause and be like okay let's walk around let's play a frame of pool uh let's go do some this hanging or something like that let's whatever some planking some squats anything just to just to take a pause and and sort of go back on the on the last few thoughts and dig a dig a little bit deeper into them so maybe that's a good place to leave this here um it's the holidays happy holidays however you celebrate wherever you celebrate i hope it is a celebration and um and if it's not a celebration right now think about think about a time when it was and try and build some confidence into the fact the fact it's not it's not subject it's a fact that it is possible to get back to that you know i've been going through some ups and downs lately where it has felt quite uh where i felt quite distraught and um sort of maybe without direction a little bit and i really had to look back to like oh you know what i've been here before i've experienced this before but i know i've had good times before and i know how i got to those good times and i know how i was able to sort of improve my process as i as i go and uh and pick up on little cues and not try and force the issue and sort of eke out the positivity that is is so important with uh with being happy and with being happy obviously comes i i think so much more productivity and and with that will come success on all levels you know emotional financial you name it musical artistic so yeah if there's one one thing i want to leave you with uh is like there's there are there is mass there are massive amounts of hope no matter where you're at on the scale and i've been pretty low on the scale uh in recent times and despite that i'm still able to think like ah you know what it's going to be okay and um definitely definitely moving in the right direction which i know everyone is is capable of so happy holidays um and uh yeah i'll be back i think christmas is on a sunday i don't think i'm going to be taping the podcast on the 25th it's also my wife's birthday that day it's a busy old day and it's one of the few times in the year where we're doing some family stuff and running around la and it's going to be a bit of a busy weekend so i think we'll probably pick it up a couple of weeks from now don't forget the sale is going to run through new year's eve and i'll definitely be back with a podcast before new year's eve because I have a couple of things that I'm letting go. Again, I'm in that like strip things down and make some space type of mood. And there are a couple of things, a couple of bases are going out the door. And what else? Oh, a few pedals as well that I never thought I'd get rid of, but I had to be super honest 
do that Marie Kondo thing and be like, eh, it might bring me joy. Yeah, okay. But I haven't used it in six or seven years. I'm like, you know what? This is just taking up space. And I've had so many things come into my life recently. Amazing, beautiful pieces of gear. The, the Caveman Audio, the, the BC1, the compressor, beautiful. There's... You know, that's one thing. I've got a couple of things that I can't talk about because the drop dates aren't here yet. Um, but I'm actually going to be one of the few people making a video about a pedal when it comes out on the day. I don't think I've really done that before that much. So I'm sort of excited about that. Can't tell you what it is. So basically, there's a ton of stuff coming in the house. So some stuff has to go out. And to that end, uh, I'll be posting it on the website and... Um, Los Angeles Craigslist in general and maybe on Reverb I don't know but I'll make an announcement of that before the end of the year before New Year's and our sale uh, all of those all those discounts I mentioned at yannickwasdala.com will run through midnight on New Year's Eve and that's it then we'll start 2024 brand new I've got three major proje uh, projects um, about to uh, about to be greenlit and, and get going in January so psyched about that psyched to tell you about them as well and uh, that'll be a big master reset January 1st. Boom, off we go. That's it. Happy holidays, people. Love you guys. Thanks for making it this far in the video. If you did, don't forget to uh, smash the thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. That always helps. We are going to make it to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and beyond. And uh, it'll help bring bigger guests to the channel as well. Definitely a lot of people I want to sit down and talk to and uh, bring you those conversations. So... Yeah, that's it. Take it easy. Have a great holiday. Speak to you very soon.